Would you pray with me? Uh, if you would, church family, please take a moment and you pray uh, for you. You know what you need uh, better than I know what you need. And so please, I invite you to spend some time with uh, the Lord, asking God by a spirit to move in your heart and in your life this morning. And if you would be so kind, would you pray for me that uh, God, by his spirit, would give me uh, the words uh, this morning to communicate uh, his word to you in such a way that our hearts and lives uh, might be changed for his glory. Father God, we give you thanks this morning for the opportunity that we have to gather as a people. Thank you for uh, your living and active word. Thank you that you still use it to form us and shape us, uh, change us to, to be the people that you have called us to be. Uh, thank you for the hope and the life that is offered to us in and through uh, the good and perfect work of Jesus. Uh, God, I pray that your spirit would uh, mold and shape our hearts this morning. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, what you have for us this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. Welcome, church family. How are you doing today? Okay, this is going to be fun. Uh, how many people here this morning would describe themselves as a planner? You are a planner. Show of hands. I see the hands. Uh, you are the type of person who knows what you're going to do when you're going to do it a year from now. Your favorite day of the year is when next year's calendar is put on the shelf at Staples. Like that's a big day for you. You are excited when you uh, know what is coming up, when you can see what is around the corner. You are the type of person that when someone asks you to get together or do something, you might say something along the lines of, well, you know what? My, my calendar won't allow that. As if your calendar is a strict parent telling you what you can and cannot do. You love to plan. If you are here this morning and you are a planner, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you. I am so glad you are here. Quick show of hands. How many fun people do we have this morning? How many? Yeah, you know who you are. I'm joking, planners. I'm just joking. A mentor told me many years ago, James, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, what he never told me is that there is a way that you can plan uh, that is not God-glorifying or Christ-exalting. Uh, there is a way that we can plan uh, that completely misses the mark. And so this morning, I want to encourage us as a church family uh, to plan in such a way uh, where we humbly come before God in such a way uh, that He is glorified. This is actually what James encourages the church to do in James chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me there. James chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 13. Uh, you can follow along on the screen if you have a copy of 
the scriptures, you can open it, or if you have your version app, go to events, look for Christ Point Church, and you can uh, follow along that way as well. Uh, James writes to the church and says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. I have to be honest with you, when I read this passage, particularly verse 13 in my study, it says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade there and make a profit. I thought to myself, what's the big deal? Like, what's the problem? I mean, it just seems like this person is doing what is admirable. It seems like they're planning. This is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do when we get there. This is how long we're going to stay. We're going to make a little money. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I would think that this passage is teaching us that planning is wrong. But that can't be right. Because there are plenty of places in Scripture that encourage us to plan. There are plenty of places in Scripture where the planner is the one who is seen as wise. I think of Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. All the planners said, Amen. Yeah, it says it right there. You foolish one. See what happens if you don't plan. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Luke 14.28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Proverbs 6 Verses 6 through 8, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So for all of you non-planners out there, there are places where the Bible says, hey, uh, take the example of the ant. She plans, so should you. And yet, here, James seems to be communicating that there's something wrong with planning the way that this person or that this church is planning. But all planning's not wrong, clearly. That's good news for us, because today, after the service, we're talking about our next steps in breaking ground for our building, and I assure you uh, there has been a great deal of planning. Uh, we've gotten together and talked and discussed about a permanent home for Christ Point. 
We've met with and spoken with uh, architects looking at the land that God has entrusted to us and asking questions like, how can we best use this as a tool uh, to point people to Jesus? We've talked to banks, financial institutions to go, hey, what can we afford? What do we need in order to make this happen? There's been times where we've looked at plans and gone, mm, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, not, not yet. We need this. We don't need that. In other words, we've gotten together and we've planned and we'll continue to plan. So what is James really saying here? Well, he points out three, uh, three issues with the way that the, the church or the way that individuals are going about their plans. Uh, Notice again in verse 13 and 14. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Three issues that James points out. Uh, Issue number one, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We do not know what tomorrow holds. Uh, Have you ever had an experience, perhaps recently, where you've been reminded uh, that we do not know what tomorrow holds? Have you ever, uh, at any point in your life, found yourself saying something like, uh, I didn't see that coming? Uh, Maybe there's a relationship in your life that has come to an end, and you think to yourself, I did not see that coming. Maybe a job is lost, And you think to yourself, I did not see that coming. Maybe there is a sickness, a death. Maybe there is a financial trial, a market crash, a pandemic. Something where you step back and you go, I I did not see that coming. Uh, Do you know why we don't see those things coming? The reason why is because we are not all-knowing. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Uh, we, we make educated guesses. Uh, they are informed decisions, yes. They are thought-out decisions, yes. They are decisions where we seek wisdom and clarity, yes and amen. I'm not suggesting that there isn't such a thing as wisdom or discernment. Um, there is. I am suggesting uh, that we are not God. Uh, And because we are not God, we do not know what tomorrow holds. James is addressing those within the church who are operating in such a way um, that they think uh, they know uh, what is and what isn't going to happen. And yet there's all these reminders in life uh, that we just don't know. Uh, The psalmist writes that our times are in his hands, uh, but sometimes we as a people can operate um, as if our times are in our hands. This is where I'm going to go. This is how long I'm going to stay. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go to college. This is the degree that I'm going to graduate with. Uh, This is the kind of girl or boy that I'm going to meet. This is when I'm going to get married. This is when we're going to buy a dog. This is when we're going to have children. This is where I'm going to work. This is for how long. This is what I'm going to make. This is when I'm going to retire, preferably early. 
This is where I'm going to move, the beach or the mountains, close to the grandkids. This is how my life is going to play out. And the reality uh, that James reminds us of is we do not know what tomorrow holds. Quite frankly, we don't know what the rest of the day holds, let alone tomorrow. Uh, So that's the first issue. We don't know what tomorrow holds. The second issue is that life is short. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Uh, For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I mean, just think about that metaphor for a second. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I brought a potpourri this morning to demonstrate this. I had it in the front row. Someone was like, what's the deal with that? Like, is everything okay? I was like, everything's fine. Sermon illustration. You ready? Watch. I mean, James says that that's life. That's a, that's a metaphor for life. Did you see it? I mean, now it's gone. I mean, like we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. Life is short. There, there is an emphasis in God's word on the brevity of life. Psalm 39, 4, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Psalm 78, 39, he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. Psalm 90, 10, the years of life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Psalm 39, 5, Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths length here, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Psalm 144, verse 4, Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I mean, that's, that's the picture of life that we're given. Over and over again, the psalmist says that, that life is, is like a breath. A life is short. Life is short. When Melissa and I uh, had our oldest son, Cademan, probably the thing that we heard more so than anything else was uh, people would come up to us and say, it goes by fast. And I thought to myself, that's either the title of a country song or it's something that old people say. And now I've realized that apparently... I listen to country music and I'm old because I can't tell you how oftentimes I'm thinking, man, it goes by fast. Every day uh, on my phone, I get pictures that will, that will come up. You know, they're, they're kind enough to remind me of all the pictures that I took, you know, five years ago, ten years ago. 
And so I see these pictures that, that come up on my phone of the kids when they were younger. They're outside, you know, playing in the leaves or we're in the backyard, you know, tossing uh, the football. Or if, if it's a minute ago, like I'm literally holding them in my arms. Like my boys, both my boys are taller than I am now. And I, and I know what you're thinking. That's not saying much. <laughs> it's the way God made me, okay? Lay off. What I mean is, it, I mean, it just goes by fast. Uh, life, life is short. Uh, that is true if you're 15. It's true if you're 50. Uh, it's true if you're 8. It's true if you're 80. Uh, life goes by fast. We are a mist. We're a breath. Now that can do one of two things. Uh, it can discourage us. Right? It can cause us to be downcast or downright depressed. You're going, good night. Like you, you want things to slow down. You feel as if life is a ball gaining speed going down a hill and you're trying to catch up to it. Right? It can grip you in that sort of way. Or knowing that life is short and we are amiss uh, can, can cause you to narrow your focus and make the most of the time that God has given to you. Uh, oftentimes, I think of my beloved Detroit Lions, the Honolulu Blue and Silver. Uh, in case you are wondering, they are favored today for the first time in, I think, 47 years uh, the Lions are historically bad, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll tune into a game and I'll watch them. And for whatever reason, at the end of a half or maybe even at the end of a game, they're running the two-minute drill. If you're a football fan, you know what this is. You watch, like, it, it, it's no huddle, it's fast, it's quick-paced. And a team that literally does nothing all game, all of a sudden turns into what could be perceived as Super Bowl champions. Like they, they narrow their focus, the clock is ticking, and, and it seems like everything changes for them. I think when we live that sort of life, a two-minute drill kind of life, when we narrow our focus, when we're gripped by the fact that we don't have forever and that time is ticking, I think God in his grace uh, can use us for significant ways in advancing his kingdom here uh, on this earth. We can become cynical or we can become sharp. And I want us to be a people who become sharp. Um, life uh, goes by fast. We do not know what tomorrow holds. Third issue, this is, this is just implied from the text, but the third issue is that we are not in control we are not in control. This is all over this passage. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a place, a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit, yet you do not know uh, what tomorrow will bring. Like, I mean, clearly, we are, we are not in control. Plan, plan, plan. Prepare. Like, prepare. Act, move, press in, Yes, yes, yes. And, and remember that we, that you, 
that me. We are not ultimately calling the shots. Uh, we, wa- we want so desperately to be in control of life. I mean, how, how many people know someone in life where you go, boy, he, <laughs> he is a control freak or she is a control freak? You want to know who is a control freak? All of us. <laughs> All of us. Like ever since the fall. Like we've been trying to take control from God and go, hey, I got this. I can do life on my own terms. But we are not in control. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-wise. We're not all-powerful. We're not always compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In other words, we are not God. But God is And that's really good news for you and for me. Author and pastor Tim Keller once wrote, we are too small for the position we have taken. We are too small for the position we have taken. My friend Doug, a pastor out in California, says this, we are meant to hold God's hand. We are not meant to be in charge. And I love that. That's such a good word. We are meant to hold God's hand. We are not meant to be in charge. We are not in control. So James gives the church, he gives you and me two reminders. Reminder number one, God is sovereign over our days. He says in verse 15, Instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the, Lord's, if the Lord wills is not some trite Christian catchphrase that people trying to be uber-spiritual say to impress their friends and family. Billy and I were talking with a missionary last week, and he said in his culture, oftentimes people will use the phrase, a God-willing or if the Lord wills, as an excuse um, to, to be able to get out of whatever they want to get out of. So instead of committing to be somewhere, they'll say, well, I'll be there, Lord willing. Are you you're going to be at church? You're going to be at worship? Well, I'll, I'll be there, God willing. But they don't really mean like, hey, my life is in his hands. If God wills it, I'll be there. They just simply use it as this catchphrase to get out of doing what they know they should do. That's not how James uses it here. He, he really means if the Lord wills, we will live. Like, if God continues to give us breath, we'll breathe. And if he doesn't, we won't. Our times are in his hands. If the, Lord's, if the Lord wills, we will live. Have you ever gone over to maybe a family member's house before or a friend, and you surprised them. Like you didn't announce that you were coming, but you still showed up. I, I know a lot. Uh, some people squirm when they hear that. Uh, but I remember a time or two in college uh, when I would drive home uh, from Ohio to Michigan to surprise my parents, particularly my mother. I wouldn't tell her I was coming. I would make the three, four-hour drive. I would show up and knock on the door or maybe just walk in. 
And my mom would see me, maybe she was sitting on the couch or at the kitchen table, and she would look up at me and a smile would come on her face and she would say, what are you doing here? Like, she, she didn't know I was coming. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> what, is, what a pleasant surprise, I think it was. Maybe she was like, what are you doing here? I don't think it was that. That wasn't her tone. Uh, do you know that the God of the universe with his kids never says, wait, what are you doing here? Like, he, he knows our beginning and he knows our end. Uh, and if the Lord wills, we will continue uh, to have breath. And if the Lord wills, we will do what we do, or we will accomplish what we will accomplish, or we won't. Verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Uh, God is sovereign over our days, and he is sovereign over how we spend our days. Yes, we have responsibilities. Yes, we get things done. Yes, we move and we act. But, but James is giving a warning to the church of uh, over prideful assumption. This idea that we just kind of operate with that like, yeah, we'll, we'll get her done when we want to get her done. We'll do that when we want to do that. Here's my checklist. Here's my to-dos. This is what I'm going to do tomorrow. I, I wrote it down, shared it. People know about it. I'm going to accomplish it. And James says, maybe. If the Lord wills, you will. Listen, we're a pretty driven bunch. I don't know all your stories. I know a number of them. But I just, I watch how we move and how we operate. And like we just get stuff done. Like we're doers. And it, I mean, it's, a, it's beautiful to see, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing as long as we have a heart posture that is constantly giving it over to God, going, Lord, I, like, if, you, if you will, you know, I'll do that, God willing. And can I just be honest with you? I don't. I don't always function like that. I don't, I don't always move and act like that. I make a lot of assumptions. I make a lot of assumptions. And I, and I don't think I'm the only one. What's the root of my problem when we function like that? What's the root of our problem? Uh, James tells us in verse 16, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. I mean, those are strong words from James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, this morning, we're, you know, we're sharing about uh, what it's going to take for us to, to break ground on a new building. Uh, I've done a little bit of research. I didn't find verse 16 in any fundraising material that I came across. Like, I, went <laughs> I mean, I, I Googled it. I was going to see if there's any building campaigns with, with James 4.16 as the theme verse. There's not. Zero. But <laughs> James is writing to the church and saying when we function in such a way that we just sort of pridefully assume that we have tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, he says, be, be careful. Be careful. As the old football coach, Lee Corso, famously says on ESPN's College Game Day, 
Not so fast, my friends. Uh, so what do we do? Uh, do, do? Do we throw out our planners? Do we stop making goals? Do I, do I stop dreaming? Do I sit back and think, well, I mean, <laughs> if the Lord wills, it'll happen. And if he doesn't, it won't. Uh, James actually tells us to do just the opposite of that. Did you notice that? Look at verse 17. He writes, So whoever knows the right things to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Like in other words, if God is calling you, if God has called you uh, to move and to act, do you know what God wants us to do? He wants us to move and he wants us uh, to act. He doesn't want us to wait. In some ways, you could say that, that James is teaching us the dangers of procrastination. Procrastination, hello, guilty as charged, is prideful because we make the assumption that we have forever to get done what we need to get done. We say things like, well, like I'll address that broken relationship later. Like I'll ta- tackle that difficult conversation down the road. Like, I'll get my house in order at a later date. I'll do that someday. Uh, don't, don't procrastinate and don't wait. Uh, move and act. Uh, I was at the dentist uh, getting my teeth cleaned, because you're supposed to do that twice a year. And I was having a fascinating conversation with a dental hygienist. Actually, she was having a fascinating conversation with me. <laughs> You've been there before. It kind of probably feels like how you feel right now. I'm doing most of the talking, and you're listening. And uh, she was doing most of the talking, and I was listening. And, you know, I had the little thing right here, like, <laughs> that's annoying. And she's cleaning my teeth, and, uh, you know, we kind of got to talking, and I was mumbling a few things when I could, and she started telling me this story about how um, when her kids were younger, she always, she always wanted to adopt. She's like, I always wanted to adopt a kid, but she's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, did, like, did you ever do that? She's like, oh, no, I didn't. You know, the kids, the kids are older, and I just, you know, I just, I don't, you know, but I always, wa- I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's cool. That's neat. And we're talking, and, and the missions came up. The topic of missions came up. And she's like, oh, I've always wanted to go. Like, I've always wanted to go. I've always thought it would be amazing to, to go and to serve in that, in that way. And she's like, I, you know, my, my church before, they, they, they've taken some trips before, but she's like, I've always wanted to go, but I, you know, I've, I've, I just always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do that. And I'm just sitting there listening to these conversations. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to. And I'm just sitting there. And I said to her, you should go. Like, you should go. Like, that thing that you want to do, you should do that. That mission trip that you want to take, like, you should take it. If you weren't guaranteed tomorrow, is there anything that you would do today? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
so move today. So whoever knows the right things to do and fails uh, to do it, for him, it is sin. I don't know what God's calling you to do today. Um, but I might assume that, that it's something. Somewhere along the line, you're, 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 there's, this, there's this like Holy Spirit pull or tug or like, I really should do, don't wait, do it. I kind of laughed when I saw this this passage on this particular Sunday. I thought, you know, God's sovereign, right? I mean, (laughs) what a great passage for today. Uh, Because in just a few moments, we're going to be sharing about a plan to, to break ground and to to build a building uh, that will, by the grace of God, God willing, uh, be used as a place to point people to Jesus. And so I think to myself, what does it look like for us as a church um, to to live James 4, 13 through 17 out as we move and act in regards to a new facility? And I just think to myself, we, we take all of our plans and all of our planning and, and every day we just give it to the Lord. And we go, God, like you lead us and guide us and direct us. We commit this to you. And, and God, we ask that you, for the sake of your name, uh, would move and act. We're, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Listen, I have, I have dreams. I mean, I have dreams for, for this church. And I, I, I want to see, like I want to see my kids' kids. Like, like running around this place and tearing it up for the glory of God. And I, I, I long for that. I long to, to see and hear more and more stories of people who have met Jesus in this place, who God has moved in their hearts to form and shape them into the image of Jesus. I, I long for that. And simultaneously in those longings, like we're just constantly giving those to God every day. Every day. If you were not guaranteed a tomorrow, uh, is there anything you would do today? Uh, Do it. And let's pray and ask for God's help. Uh, Lord, thank you for your very practical living word. We thank you for how you use it to form and shape and change us. I thank you that you have spoken to us, that you haven't remained silent. I thank you that you're in the business of forming and shaping your people into the image of Jesus. You want us to think and act like your son. And so I pray by the power of the Spirit that you would help us do that today. Lord, if there are things in our hearts and in our lives where you are challenging us, you are calling us to move and to act, Lord, I pray that we would live lives in such a way uh, that we know that every breath that we have is a gift from you and that we would make the very most of it. Uh, Please help us to do so. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.